0: Thank you, it's good to be in Milwaukee! There was a strong south wind today, and here I am. And you are a beautiful sight. Uh, I love and appreciate Pastor Hoover. As he referenced, I knew his dad, I knew his grandfather, and what a joy and a privilege and an honor to spend these moments with you tonight. Uh, May I ask you to please stand right where you are. Would you stand, please, for a moment, and would you look at that person to your right, to your left? Uh, I'm going to ask you to say something to them, okay? I want you to tell the person on either side of you with a big smile, You're in the right place at the right time. Go ahead. Tell them you're in the right place at the right time. You didn't sound convinced at all. You may be seated. But I hope you will be by the time you go home tonight. Would you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 19? Acts chapter 19. You're in the right place at the right time. And why would you say that? With so many people who have left the city of Milwaukee, moved out, churches have packed up, moved out if they didn't shut down first, businesses have left, Milwaukee, And I know what I'm talking about because, hey, I'm from Chicago. And we have watched the same thing there. So why would I have you think about you're in the right place at the right time? Verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth... Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and found certain disciples. Now, for time's sake, we will not belabor the following verses, which clearly describe people who are theologically and spiritually confused. And do not be misled by the word disciple. That does not necessarily mean they were believers, it does mean they were learners. God was clearly at work in their heart, drawing him to them to himself. Maybe they were believers, but they were jacked up. But by the time you get to verse 8, Paul goes to the what? Does anybody have their Bible open there? Thank you, the synagogue, and that was his strategy. When he went to a new city, he would show up at the synagogue. But he's got the 12 guys referenced in verse 7, these disciples he had found, and done some discipling with them. Now he brings them to the synagogue and speaks boldly for the space of three months, Disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when divers, deep divers, were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them, separated the disciples, those who were learning from him of the Messiah and the new covenant, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. So he leaves the synagogue, goes next door to this school, and he continues teaching, preaching, discipling there, verse 10, for two years. Now what you see in verse 10 is both a description of what was going on and then a summation of, a conclusion, an overarching description of the end result. Verse 10, this continued, what? The teaching, preaching in the school of Tyrannus by the space of two years. What was the end result? When it was all said and done, the fruit of that labor, 10 part B, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus both Jews and Greeks. Does anybody here think any verse in the Bible is accidental? Anybody? Anybody? Be brave, I'll take you on, right here in the center aisle. Anybody? Does anybody believe any verse in the Bible is incidental? Incidental. Ah, you could use it, you don't need it, uh, one way or the other. Anybody think any verse in the Bible is incidental. Is not all of Scripture God-breathed? Is not all Scripture directly from God and given to us for instruction and so on, Paul tells us in uh, Timothy. So here you have a remarkable declaration. It says... That the result of Paul's ministry in Ephesus is that all of Asia heard the word of the Lord. So easy to slip past. So easy to breeze by. So easy to keep reading. What do we need to know about Ephesus? Well, there's a lot to know, but I don't know that much, so you're safe. It was a big city. It was one of the largest cities in the Roman Empire. It was a great metropolis of the day. And its city, its streets were teeming with people, kids, merchants, slaves, shippers, farmers. Uh, it, It was a coastal city, a port city. And if, you've, if you ever get a chance to go to Turkey, into the center part of that country, which is what the Bible calls Asia Minor, you will see vast fields of rich soil and rich crops. It is a fertile land in the middle of that country, And all of the goods that were being grown would be shipped to Ephesus, because in Ephesus they could be put on ships and dispersed to the entire Mediterranean world, or shipped south or north on the great Roman highway, which pass through like an interstate, 94, going right through the middle of Milwaukee, north and south. And so Ephesus was a hub. It was an economic hub. It was a political center. It was a business uh, metropolis. It was a center of human activity. And of course... You read down later in the chapter and you read about the great temple of Diana which sat on a hill overlooking, dominating the whole city like the Catholic and Lutheran church spires do here in Milwaukee. And so it was as well a religious center, a cultural center. There was a great grand avenue, if the Mediterranean Sea was the foyer, if the shoreline was right there, there was a great grand avenue which ran up through the middle of the city with little shops and boutiques and and artisan uh, uh, booths along the side, it was columned with marble columns, marble underneath It was kind of the town square, except it was a great grand boulevard, and everything was moving everything was was noisy and loud, and people were coming and going either from ships up to the theater or to shops and people coming in and out of the shops and dogs were common in the streets in those days, running loose and and wild and they're running out in and among the people. A hubbub of humanity was Ephesus. And the Holy Spirit leads Paul To Ephesus, which is not strange, because the Holy Spirit led Paul from city to city to city to city to city. There is not a cornfield in the book of Acts. It's cities, cities, cities. So Testament in its impact. God chooses and establishes a city. A city as the center and base of his global plan to bring redemption to the human race. And can anybody tell me the name of that city? Let me review that for you one more time. God chose and established a city as the center and base of his global plan to bring redemption to the human race. Jerusalem. Oh, we have heard of Jerusalem. It was a pagan uh, a pagan, heathen city. But God chose it to be the base, the starting point of this plan that was to circle the globe. Jesus attaches his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection to a city. As we see in the pages of the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit uses the city as the strategy to evangelize the known world in less than 100 years without Instagram. How did that happen? No Twitter. No smartphones, no microphones, no copy machine, nothing except living witnesses to the saving power of Jesus Christ. But don't miss it. The strategy is the gospel in the city. Creating, forming what we now call New Testament local churches, which become gospel bases, bases for gospel operations in enemy territory. What do you think? Ephesus was wall to wall Christians? You think Ephesus had a bible church on every corner, bible bookstores, radio stations, Christian TV. When Paul came to Ephesus, he found 12 disciples who were woefully underdiscipled. The Holy Spirit uses the city as the strategy to evangelize the known world in less than a hundred years. Well, hang with me for a line or two, okay? I know numbers aren't the most exciting thing, but listen. In 1900, 9% of the world's population lived in cities, By the year 2025, two-thirds of God's world will be urban. In 1990, urban population worldwide was increasing by a million a week. In 1900, there were 20 cities in the world of one million or more. By the year 2000, there were 430 cities of a million or more. And by 2050, there will be 900, almost 1,000, cities of one million or more. And, and uh, let's not get started on the billions. Um, the millions turned to billions in 1975, there were three metro areas in the world of 10 million or more, Tokyo, New York, Mexico City. Now, there are 31 such megacities of 10 million or more. UN uh, projects that there will be at least 10 more by the year 2030. All that to say, and and we could go on and on there to uh, give you evidence. What What am I trying to say? Two things here, two things. The Spirit of God led Paul to cities because he intended the cities to be the strategy to reach the rest of the world. And it worked. Without all the junk and garbage we think is necessary, where would we be without pads on our pews? So the strategy needs a little attention. Secondly, I am trying to point out to you that in the last 120 years or so, God has urbanized his world. The earth is the Lord's. Yes, the fullness thereof. The world and everybody who lives in it. This belongs to him. So when you look at something as massive as the movement of humanity in the last 120 years from rural areas to cities around the world... You must, if you're a believer, if you believe the Bible like you say you do, and we Baptists are good at that, are we not? We believe the Bible! (laughs) Really? Do we really? Well, if we believe that, then we believe the massive movement of humanity is not accidental. It's not just wars and famine and political upheaval. God has used all of those things. Think about it. But what has been the end end result? The urbanization of his world. Two-thirds of the world population now lives in urban areas. And guess what? The rest of the world is urbanized because out at some crossroads in the middle of Iowa, they get the same media you do. The whole world is impacted and influenced by urbanization. Now, the city is strategic. The city is strategic. Would you say that with me? The city is strategic. It's strategic in God's plan. Has God's message ever changed? You don't seem sure up here in Milwaukee has God's message ever changed? Has God's method from the book of Acts ever changed? Here's the deal, folks. Here's the sad deal. We've spent millions. We've spent millions. We've sent our young people. We've We have done missions and faith promise and mission maps and mission conferences, and we're way behind. Why? Why? Well, I'm not going to talk about anybody else. I'm going to talk about my people. In America, white people decided to seek first the American dream instead of the kingdom of God. And so when the cities became less comfortable, less economically feasible, less safe, less... They're out of here. They're gone. The message has not changed. I submit to you, dear people, that the method has not changed. That God's strategy to reach the world is an urban-based strategy. Why? It's because of the way cities work. We're going to see some amazing stuff here in just a moment in the rest of this passage. But hear me first so you know what you're reading in a minute. Um, Cities are collection points, collection centers of, of people, ideas, good, bad, and ugly. They're, they're collection places. The, the reason the Holy Spirit led Paul from city to city to city is because of the way cities function. Cities are amplification Systems. Cities are amplifiers. They amplify whatever is in them. Now, just think about, where did, where did uh, hip-hop come from? Behind a barn in Iowa? Hip-hop came from the Bronx in a backyard party, and it took over the world. Country music. This is a funny one. Because when you think of country music, what city do you think of? (laughs) Because Nashville is the amplifier. Cities amplify whatever is in them. And what was in them before the gospel got there in the first century was heathenism, paganism, godlessness, licentiousness, lostness. And God said, I so love the world. I'm going to send my own son. And the word was made flesh and dwelt where? Yes. Among us. He did not commute. He moved into the neighborhood. He lived here. And he told his apostles go, preach the gospel, make disciples. And the book of Acts is the picture of them carrying out the Great Commission. And where are they? The cities of the Roman Empire. Why? Because in the city, the gospel will be amplified. You say, how does that work? It's the way the city works. When Milwaukee was on fire, the world knew about it. Also, cities are distribution engines. Culture is distributed, good, bad, and ugly, from the city. Cities are amplifiers. Cities are distribution engines. God says, Paul put the gospel in these cities and it will be amplified and it will be distributed. Revelation chapter 1, the churches of Asia Minor. Where did those churches come from? They were the result of verse 10. Paul coming to Ephesus and preaching the gospel, planting a church, and the entire region was evangelized. That's why you are in the right place at the right time. Because in this hour, and do you dispute that we are in the last of the last days? In this moment in history... When there is so much to do, so much ground to take, so many battles to fight, it is the urban Christian in the urban church who can see his, her life leveraged in a way that you will not experience in another setting. Why? Because of the way cities work. So God, well, let me back up. You're in the right place at the right time. Am I in the right place at the right time if God put me here? Yes, no? If God put me here, then I'm in the right place at the right time, right? Well, we're not talking about anybody else now. We're talking about us. We're here. Talking about you. You're here. What am I doing here? I don't know what I'm doing here. Do you believe in the leadership of God Almighty planting you, your life, your family in the Milwaukee area? You are in the right place at the right time to do God's work. Now, look what happens in Ephesus. This is wild. It's wild. Well, if 10 is kind of the summation, the conclusion, here is a little bit of the drama that produces what verse 10 describes. Verse 11. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs, aprons, and the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out from them. Sickness, ailments, and demonization combined, talked about together. The point is, we, we, will, we will sum it up this way and leave it at that. God's power was manifested in the city. And how was it manifested? People's real needs were being supernaturally met. Now, what do the people who live all around us need? They need this, they need that, they need the other And as the church of Jesus Christ, he has put you in the right place at the right time to follow the leadership that he has given you. Your pastor leading the army called Souls Harbor Baptist Church to meet the needs of those who live around you in Milwaukee in the name of Jesus. And when you do that, you will see the power of God show up in ways you could not have predicted. Now, what is the one thing that pleases God? Faith. Faith. Who said that? Would you turn around and tell the rest, uh, I'm giving you a hard time tonight, am I not? Faith pleases God, right? Right? When is the power of God manifested? When God's people exercise faith. Does faith involve risk? Nobody wants to commit. Yeah. Faith involves risk, it means you're stretching out beyond where you feel comfortable. And if you never do that as a church, you will not do God's work. You will not see his power manifested. But I promise you, as you reach out, stretch up. oh, pastor, we can't afford that. Good, do it just because you can't afford it. Because if you never try to do something you can't afford, you'll never see God show up and pay the bill. God's power is manifested when his people trust him, act in faith to do what? Meet the needs of the people. Now, every community is different. It's up to you to have the eyes of Christ, to see the people as he sees them, and to be able to say together, we're going to move in faith to meet this need. Virtually everything we did at Armitage Baptist over 45 years, all of the best opportunities to lift up and glorify God, virtually all of them were things that were not in the budget. Deacons, I'm just telling you. it's Just the way it rolls. Weren't in the budget. They were were needs that showed up or popped up and we needed to act quickly, move and meet that need in the name of Jesus. And God showed up every time. Oh, I wish I could tell you some stories, but Paul's are pretty good. Look at this. Um, Special miracles. Healing. Baptists, you're going to get all hung up on this, but uh, it's in the Bible, okay? And if you think demons are uh, left in the first century, you got another thing coming. Well, then, in verse 13, 14, 15, uh, there's this encounter with the uh, sons of Skeva, and that's kind of its own drama, which you can spend some time with before you go to bed tonight. It'll give you great dreams. And then, in verse 17... All of this became known to the Jews and the Greeks dwelling at Ephesus and fear fell on them all. So if verse 11, the power of God was being manifested, verse 17, the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. What does the word magnify mean? It means to make large, to make big. It means making Jesus the issue. Look at this, folks, look at this. Look, we're, Paul was a man like us. He, he didn't have a microphone. He didn't have a budget. He goes into this town and starts uh, meeting the needs of people, seeing God's power manifested. The name of Jesus, because he came in the name of Jesus, is being magnified in a completely heathen city. It means that Jesus is being talked about. It means Jesus becomes the issue of the day. Wow. How do you penetrate a godless city? with people serving needy people in the name of Jesus, the city is strategic in exalting Jesus, who said, if I and I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And notice that the exalting of Jesus, the magnifying of Jesus, is against the backdrop. It's it's in the context of God's power being manifested. And let me tell you, the secular people of this day are not interested in what we have to say. You know I'm telling you the truth go down to Starbucks and say can I talk to you about Jesus? See what kind of response you get. They are not interested in what we have to say. What happened first? Paul was meeting real needs in the power of God. You meet people you you serve people where they are hurting, aching, bleeding, broken. They want to know who you are and what are you doing this for. And you say, I'm just a servant of Jesus. Who's he? The the magnification of Jesus takes place in that context against that backdrop. Look at verse 18. And many that believed came and did what? Confessed showing their deeds. What? What? Ephesus was a magic, dark arts, occultic center. It was part of the warp and woof of that society. The powers of darkness reigned over that city. So even those that had believed, it took a while for them to understand and disconnect from the stuff they grew up in. Not everybody, not everybody becomes a uh, pure-as-the-driven-snow saint in an instant. Most of us grow. And way too slow. Amen. So they're coming. And they're bringing their books. Many of them also which used curious arts. Brought their books together. Burned them before all men counted the price of them. So. They're de- denying the stuff they had been involved in. Look. Look at it this way up in verse 12 and following you got this sons of skiva thing the demonic display okay display of demonic power and then you have this little bit about all these who are already christians but they're going whoa okay this stuff's bad i got to i got to separate i got to dump this i got to get rid of this stuff i got to turn my back on these practices the city is strategic In battling Satan, you don't battle Satan out in a cornfield. Pergamum, where Satan dwells, Smyrna, where the synagogue of Satan was. Cities are satanic centers. And you're in the right place at the right time. Say, I don't know about this. Who put you here? Yourself or God? Are you going to play games? Are you going to twiddle your thumbs? Be a back row Baptist? give a little money, sing a little song, go home, let the world go to hell in a handbasket. God puts you in a city because he has plans for you. He wants to show his supernatural power through you. He puts you in a church with a pastor who understands that we're here to love our city and to reach our city. This is the perfect place. No, look, you cannot minister in the city. You cannot be serious about ministry in the city and not expect some showdowns with Satan. Oh, I could tell you some. I could tell you some stories, but we're going to go home after a while, so... Verse 20. So what's happening? What's happening? So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. The city is strategic in magnifying Jesus, in battling Satan, in multiplying disciples. If you cross-reference verse 20, with chapter 6 verse 7 some of the same language is used there but it is translated the number of disciples multiplied what happens when the word of god prevails the number of disciples multiplies that word prevail it means to overcome it means to overwhelm. It means to conquer. As we live the word, not perfectly because we're, we're, well, we're us. But as we live the word of God, as we trust the word of God, as we corporately lift up Jesus in the city, as we preach and teach the word of God, it Conquers. Remember Hebrews four twelve. It's alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than the word of God. Does its work. He's just looking for some people who truly believe it and live it out. And he will show you in the years to come, as he has shown you in the years past. His word will prevail. You will see the word of God work in ways. That will blow your mind. The word prevailed in verse 20 is the same word in the original in verse 16, where it says, The evil spirit leaped on the and prevailed against them, and they fled out of that house. Same word. They were overcome. The word overcomes. Last, verse 21. After these things were ended, Paul purposed in his spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must see Rome. Look, this is... This, he didn't get on a train. There was no bus. This is the world to Paul. This he's, He's back and forth in Rome. I have to go here. He is thinking out. He is thinking more. He is thinking globally. The city is strategic for thinking globally. And look what God is doing as he urbanizes his world. He's bringing the world to you. And don't you think some of them should be in this seat in this seat and that seat and that seat and this seat here and that seat? If he brought them all the way from Sudan, if he brought them all the way from Myanmar, if he brought them all the way to Milwaukee, don't you think this house should have those folks? Because the city helps us think Globally. Time is short, y'all. The role of the city in reaching the world is simply this it's strategic in magnifying Jesus and battling Satan, in multiplying disciples, in planting churches, in thinking globally, and time is short. We had done VBS all week. It was hot, it was the first heat wave of the season. In our unair-conditioned building, the workers labored all week long, tired, tired, tired. We did the program on Sunday night, and the place was packed. And we had a bunch of kids we brought on buses straight off the corners in the hood, and uh, uh, but a touring rap team. had stopped off in Chicago to visit some friends and had landed at Armitage Baptist Church, and I had asked them, "Uh, let me hear you do some rap. And in my office, he unleashed a stream of the hardest, clear-cut, gospel-preaching, rhyme-to-rhythm I had ever heard in my life. And I said, son, I, I got a place for you to do this. After our program in our old auditorium looked like an abandoned warehouse, I said, everybody pick up your plastic folding chair. We went out in front. We could block off the street in front of our building, which we did main drag, but we blocked off the inner drive, and we had... We put the rap team up on the front steps, which acted like a stage, and the big crowd out there, hot, hot, hot Sunday night. The street was already bumping and jumping. Three-year-olds walking their pit bulls, you know. It, it, music everywhere. Kids hanging out, winos laying in the gutter. And we're out there and these guys get up there and start rapping, preaching the unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ. And I could not believe cars stopping, passing by. They just pull over. Bicycles coming from everywhere. The guys that were hanging over on that corner drift this way. The crowd grew they preached until they sweated and were drenched from head to toe and at the end of that presentation they gave an invitation and i watched 25 teenage not children teenagers get up in front of their peers and walk to the front and we had personal workers so everyone was dealt with individually and trusting Christ. It was an incredible, incredible experience. The next morning, I came into the office, and somebody said, did you hear about the shooting? I said, which one? They said, well, the one that was closest to our church bus. And I said, well, that's interesting. Tell me about it. And they said, well, the the bus was over there right off of uh, Wabansia on Albany, And it dropped uh, three kids off, and the bus pulled off. And uh, moments later, a car drove by and shot at the three kids, and it hit one of them in the head, and he's brain dead in the hospital. I said, What was his name? Tony. Tony Russell. I said, bring me those invitation slips. Bring me those invitation slips. And all these years later, I tell you, I remember standing there, flipping through those cards, knowing what is, what is. It's, it's too late now. Card after card until... I came to this slip that said, Tony Russell trusted Christ. Twelve years old. They wrote it up in the Chicago Tribune. He had been at a church event and had an encounter with Christ. He didn't know he had minutes to live. Listen to me, saints. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. I didn't know, my people didn't know that Tony was even there, much less that he had minutes to live. But in the heat, after working hard all week long, when I said, let's go out in the street, let's do part two, they went, they dragged all the stuff out there, they stayed another hour and a half, they labored for Christ, and that enabled Tony to meet Jesus. Dear people of God, this is your city. You're not here by accident. God put you here. He gave you a pastor with a heart and a vision. He has... Greater things for you. You can't even imagine what God wants to do with you in this needy city if you will humble yourselves and pray and confess your sins and say, Lord, here I am. I don't want to be one of those who sit on the sidelines. I want to be in the heart of what you're doing. I want my life to count here in Milwaukee for eternity. God, help me me do your will. Would you bow your heads right where you are? Right where you are. If you are not saved tonight, if you have never trusted Christ, this is your night. This is your night. If you are an unbaptized believer... You need to declare Jesus is Lord and join this church. If you're a member of this body, wow. (laughs) You are in the right place at the right time. And God is listening to hear you say, I'm all in. I'm all in. Wherever we go, whatever it costs, I'm all in. if you can say I'm all in with our heads bowed and eyes closed would you just slip your hand up right where you are I'm all in I'm all in, that's me little old me, I'm all in God bless you, 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 yes, yes thank you, thank you are there any others I'm all in